Hi, Liz. Long time no talk, my my fellow smug bud. Good to see you. Good to Tasu see you Leaf. too. Good to see you. <laughs> uh, we what are we doing? I think it's about time we did a mailbag special. I think so too. Yeah. Addressing some of the feedback that we received on season four of the Smug Buds, the podcast where we explain everything to the geese. And Will, you don't know this, but we also have some season three feedback. Oh, okay. Yeah, we we will look back farther. We as we often do. Why not? Recent recent season three feedback. I would say. I love to hear it. Yeah. Um, but before we get into the bag, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I, I was reflecting on uh, the last season of the podcast, and uh, it's got sort of a nice framing device around it uh, in retrospect. And I think we, we talked about this a little bit in the finale. But just to recap, we started season four a little earlier than we intended to mm-hmm. because quarantine had begun in earnest and it was becoming clear that it was not going to end soon or ever, but yeah. So (laughs) we decided, okay, this is a better time than ever Mm -hmm. uh, to record uh, some remote podcast episodes as, Mm -hmm. as we did throughout the year prior. And so while season four was not right at the beginning of quarantine, it was like because of quarantine. Yes. And it was seeing each other through the hardships of quarantine. And then, just as we were wrapping up, there was sort of a cliffhanger for both of us. Yeah. Your cliffhanger being Elliot was about to go back to daycare, mm-hmm. which, the you know, is, is, a, is a, uh, a, a crucial development. Yes. Given how much... Uh, quarantining with your toddler made you know, made it such a struggle while you yeah. were trying to work from home, you and Kenny. And then my cliffhanger was that Dana and I were just about to move into our new house, mm-hmm. which we are now in. And this is the first episode that I'm recording in the new house, which we which we bought mm-hmm. and with live money in now. Primarily with money, also yeah. with some good faith, <laughs> and up some portions of your soul. We didn't. We didn't pay flat out cash. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we uh, we did this thing called a mortgage. <laughs> and you so, didn't just have enough liquid cash to buy a house, Will? Even no, in Arizona? Not even. Not even in Arizona, and not even with with my resources and Dana's combined. So, <laughs> so we're we're in bed with uh, we're in bed with some bank now. Uh, on the on the ownership of this house, yeah, totally. For the next mm, thirty years or so, yeah. Uh huh. Well, unless you sell that house and you know have equity and then get a new mortgage someplace else. Who knows? It could turn out to be a starter home. Yeah. I think I, I heard about that from President Barack Obama. Starter homes. Yes. He yeah. compared he compared something to a starter home recently, and I oh, saw really? I saw somebody on Twitter reacting like, "What the fuck is a starter home?" <laughs> is, you know, my is a funny um, thing to say to Obama. My um, the house that I grew up in was supposed to be my parents' starter home, because mm-hmm. uh, it was a townhouse, 
Uh-huh. And the idea was you only live in a townhouse as a starter home or if you're retiring and downsizing, which was what my grandfather was doing. Uh-huh, right. Um, whereas, I don't know, townhouses are fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I've, re- I've accidentally referred to my boss's house as a townhouse more than, like, once or twice. Because mm-hmm. she lives right next to some townhouses and she used to live in a townhouse in the same area before I was, knew her. Yeah. And every time she was like, it's a standalone. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my God, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Did not um, mean to offend the sides of your house <laughs> and how they're not connected to other houses. Right. Um, I just Googled Obama starter home uh, mm-hmm. to uh, try to fill in the context that I forgot. This would actually make a decent trivia question if I were doing another uh, sort of political or current events round in a, in a pub yeah. quiz style trivia game. The, what... what do you have any guess? What do you suppose Obama, Barack Obama, might have been comparing to a starter home? Oh my God, uh, the Affordable Care Act. Correct. Oh my God, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and isn't that just mwah, Chef's kiss? Oh God, per- just a perfect encapsulation <laughs> of uh, a certain moment in time that we find ourselves either still living in or living in the the after effects of. Wow, yeah. Which are, I guess, indistinguishable in some ways. So um, that's a little bit about my cliffhanger. Um, what about yours? How how has... I, I honestly haven't talked to you that much... No. ...since we last recorded. And when we talk, it's usually, you know, texting a link to the other one. And so yeah. we're just talking about, like, things we see on the internet, not so much about our lives. So... Mm-hmm. So I'm genuinely asking, and I don't know the answer when I when I ask, how has your life changed, hopefully improved, since Elliot went back to daycare? Well, Elliot went back to daycare. We haven't picked him up yet. Uh, <laughs> it's fucking great, man. It's dope. It's some yep. dope shit. He wakes up in the morning. We drive him over there. I don't see him again for like a couple hours. <laughs> a couple hours. That's good. Well, you know, like eight hours or whatever. Oh, but, wow. That's really good. Uh, yeah. It's from like, you know, eight to 430 or something. Wow. Um, yeah. It a, is a, a little bit. Day. The one sort of foible to this new plan is that she changed. She very slyly changed her operating hours. Um, mm. I used to drop off Elliot between seven and seven thirty every day. Um, and cause, like we'd leave the house at seven. I'd drop him off and then I'd go to work to start working by seven thirty. Mm-hmm. And um, she, when she opened, she texted us and said, see you tomorrow at eight. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little bit annoying because I take an hour long lunch break um, mm-hmm. almost every day just because my brain can't function editing for eight hours straight and then only getting a half hour break. Um, and I also nap and sometimes I do yoga and stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, that means that I am still working in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I'm like working at like seven or I'm working at like 6.30 or 6.45 or whatever and then right. shifting back and forth with Kenny about who's doing what tasks with Elliot. And then mm-hmm. one of us drives him and one of us stays home and we switch that off. But um, – uh, which is kind of annoying. It's kind of annoying to not just have sort of like a, you know, this is when I start working. This is when I stop. But um, right. it it's also like it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. right now. If she had changed this to eight when I had like a normal wor- work thing where right. I was physically trying to get someplace, it would be way more annoying because yeah, 
you know, that would mean that I'd, I'd basically have to work later because I would not be booting up my computer and then booting it down. Yeah, of course. Um, But I just, yeah, it just doesn't matter right now. And I don't think I'm, my job has a phased return plan right now. Mm. And um, Se- we're at phase seems zero. Appropriate. We're at phase zero. And every time they bring up the plan, they're like, we are going to stay at phase zero for like a long time, friends. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's like no plan. And phase one and two are both like volunteers only. So like even mm. if we were like starting to go back, I'd have mm-hmm. at least 60 days yeah. before anything became quote unquote mandatory. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also they even said somebody asked in like a town hall like, you know, what if what if we just aren't comfortable going back? Like, what if we have people that we still have to take care of that aren't in school or, or don't have elder care or whatever? And um, our one head guy, I, I forget what his actual, he might be the CFO, but he's involved in this heavily, mm-hmm. was like, we would never make you come to work if we were you were putting your loved ones at risk ever. And he was like, back me up, Robert, who's the CEO. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, no, we'd never make you do that. And, I mean, just a stark difference from some of the stories my friends have been telling me. Yeah. No, that's good to hear. Um, I would yeah, love to a, hear that. It's a big relief. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I had to have so, sort of a similar conversation where, you know, if I'm asked how you feel about coming back to the office, I, I feel like I have a responsibility to to first preface my opinion with, well, I have to, I have to admit, you know, I'm not in any of the groups that mm-hmm. like need special accommodations, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not immunocompromised myself. I'm not taking care of anyone. I'm not living with any children, any elderly people, any, any at risk people. Mm-hmm. I'm just, as I have been in so many circumstances for as long as I've lived, <laughs> Mr. Neutral, yeah. mis- Mr. Basic, Mr. Um, Mr. Privilege. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mr. Which was Privilege. not, I was not saying that as a criticism. But. No, no, no. You, you're, yes, you were yeah. filling in the gap that, yeah. that I was leaving, which, which I have myself uh, filled many times before. Uh, and... Uh, and and that that is all a preface to say like okay like I don't I don't have any of those reasons to cite if you ask me to go back, mm-hmm. but please don't ask me to go back <laughs> because <laughs> I've been working. It's just not worth it. I it, I've been working from home and it, it's going fine and I think it's going pretty well and I think I do ninety five percent of the things that I would do if I go into the office and the other five mm-hmm. percent we compensate in ways that are not costing us anything serious. Mm. Um, so it's just a, an unnecessary risk. And please don't ask me to take my life into my hands so that I can <laughs> check the mail that comes into the office, you know, <laughs> once a week or whatever. That's actually the one thing that Kenny's been going into the office for is to check mm-hmm. the mail. That makes um, sense. You can't do that from home. But that I mean, said- I guess you could get mail forwarded, but. Yeah, that it gets complicated because they get checks and stuff. I can see why you wouldn't do that in an office setting, yeah. Yeah. So, like, the one, so, like, but they've they've offset it so that there's only somebody going in every three days with the idea being, like, everything should be dead if somebody was sick by the time they got there. Yeah, I have coworkers who will go into their office occasionally 
mm-hmm. or more than occasionally, uh, you know, maybe once a week or a couple of times a week. But there's always a conversation first among the people who they would normally share space with mm-hmm. where they say, hey, I want to go in on this day at this time. Is that OK with everybody? It, it, nobody else has any plans to do that, do they? And mm-hmm. the, and it's confirmed among everyone who might be there that there's only going to be one person there at a time. And um, so uh, it's it's all um, been fine for me. I'm very happy and lucky. Uh, and also at the same time, we are recording this on August 1st. Mm-hmm. And I do work at a university. And it could all change <laughs> by the end of this month. Because, I know. Because it's August. I I have such um, empathy for our friends who are teachers, um, both at the public school level. I mean, mm-hmm. when I say public school, I, I mean like elementary and middle and high school too. Um, yeah. I just mean like the, the level at school that children are mandated to go mm-hmm. <laughs> and the college level. Yeah. Um, just I've just been just horror stories of how different people are ha- how different groups are handling it, um, yeah. different um, school districts and stuff and universities and um, plans changing constantly and uh, the regard for economic gain over human life thanks capitalism. Right. Um, is does is it is it our devotee Sarah that has a shirt that says it was capitalism all along. <laughs> Probably. I don't recall if I've seen that, but... but, Sarah, you can fill us in with a pic of that shirt, which I feel like... Sounds likely. Um, Yeah. Okay. So what I'm going to say next, I want to make it clear publicly on the record. Mm -hmm. I am no longer talking about work, as in my work. Yes. That that part of the conversation is done. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about that anymore. So you're not getting in trouble. So, So I'm just talking in the abstract... Yes. Uh, You know, generally speaking, when I say we've already seen over and over again what is going to happen. Yes. Like we've already seen like certain certain people try to do certain things. You know, they reopen the restaurants in a certain city Mm -hmm. or they reopen, you know, certain schools Mm-hmm. or or uh, whatever you know other example and and what happens in two weeks they have to shut it all down again yeah it's because ha- a it's bunch happen- of people fucking die <laughs> it's happening with it's happening with major league baseball right now <laughs> they tried to do major league baseball and they can't stop a bunch of people from getting sick yeah it's horrifying <laughs> and there's like nobody in so, the stands yeah uh which it's like that's not even the thing we're talking about it's mm -hmm. like the actual baseball players oh right yeah exactly yeah it's not civilians who are i mean i assume but anyway it's people in the organization including a lot of players yeah who are who are getting sick um because they're they've been brought back to work and uh it's it's just it's just going to happen again yeah um you know, if you also, I haven't checked the numbers like recently, but for the past like you know however many weeks, the United States has been literally one quarter of the world death toll. Yeah, <laughs> which is not because we have so many more people than other places. Right. <laughs> it's because we suck. 
No, yeah, it's because of the different types of response. Yeah. Um, so that's where we are on August 1st, uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't care to say any more about that subject. Yeah, the only thing I have to say is just to emphasize is my my life is truly a lot better now that I have childcare. And yeah. um, Kenny and I are, are a lot better and we're a lot happier. And I mean, there's still this sort of like existential dread and there are days that I just get really down. But it's mm-hmm. not like, I think I described it maybe even on this podcast as like construction going on outside your window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this just loud noise that's always there. And sometimes it's louder and sometimes it's not. Right. It the construction's over. Now I can just be in my apartment. <laughs> yes. That is remarkably similar to actual real life circumstances that we had in our <laughs> in our previous house. It seemed like <laughs> as soon as we were working from home, uh there was just nonstop uh like a gas company uh you know, work going out uh, going on outside our house, uh in the in the road, in the yards, in the mm-hmm. on the block. It seemed to to never stop. Um but hey, we moved. So you brought it back to daycare and I brought it back to the house. So in the in the narrative of the podcast, yeah. That 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 mirrors or gives some sort of shape to the narrative mm-hmm. of our lives. That's the that's the uh, next step or, you know, conclusion to one chapter uh, yeah. that I was looking for. So I do want to tell you something about it's pandemic related, but more loosely about um, the NIST deer. OK, so you don't remember what NIST is. No, I don't. NIST is the National Institute for Standards and Technology. OK, which is who runs the time.gov website. Oh, uh uh-huh. One of the standards is the standard of time. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And their campus is in the middle of Gaithersburg. Oh, uh uh-huh. So I drive along the northern and um, eastern borders every day to drop off Elliot at daycare. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, it's huge. I mean, it's, like, about the same, like, width and diameter as, like, the rest of Gaithersburg. Like, it's Mm -hmm. like a donut hole. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's all fenced in with barbed wire because it's all like super secret government shit. And it's also mm-hmm. not technically Maryland. It's federal land. Mm, right. Which is why Gaithersburg then is so strangely shaped. Ah. And there are deer that live in NIST. Uh-huh. And you can see them from the road. Like, you'll see like five or six or sometimes you'll see like 20 or 30. Mm. So many deer. And we're in the middle of suburbia, right? Like, I see deer fairly often out of my back window, but we're not in the country or the woods by any standard. We're not even near, like, um, we're not even, like, you know, on an offshoot of a place where there's, like, some fields or something. Mm-hmm. And so when I started driving Elliot to daycare, I noticed that the NIST deer were gone. Mm. I hadn't seen them in, like, weeks Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. So have you read or experienced fireworks going off for a very long time? Sure. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure if I do, because that doesn't seem like something you would ask that question about. So there are you talking been... about in a particular place? Yeah. So there have been reports of fireworks going off like every night 
Um, and it was before and after the 4th of July. And everybody was, there was like all these conspiracy theories going off, going around. Like this was in New York, but also in other cities and other places. Okay. Um, there were conspiracy theories, um, which I think some of them were like true, that they were being provided. Because these were fireworks that are like professional grade fireworks. Okay. And like people were like, well, kids are setting them off. Like, I see these kids setting them off. But then they'd, like, ask the kids, like, where did you get these? And they'd be like, we bought them for, like, 20 bucks from this guy in a van. Mm-hmm. And so, basically, that, like, the conspiracy theory was that, like, the police are selling these, like, really loud fireworks to civilians because when people can't sleep, they get tired, and then they're um, less likely to do all this uprising that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And... I think that this is true. To, I think that this happening is true to a degree, but I I have not been able to do enough research or uh, on the ground reporting <laughs> to find out well, how much of it is true. <laughs> yeah. Well, vans are making a big comeback right now. So I <laughs> oh I believe every word of what you just said. Did you see the um, tweet I retweeted about? It was like one of those things that yes, was like... <laughs> I did. It was... It was it was it was uh, top notch. It, 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 in in terms of things that you have that you have put into my feed, <laughs> it's, it's. Do you want to describe it? We'll we'll link it in the show notes too. Um, it was it, it is the meme of like uh, a handshake mm-hmm. where there's you know words on one side representing one party in the handshake, words on the other, and then the handshake has its own words. It's like a Venn Venn diagram. Mm -hmm. It's like what these two have in common. Have in common. And you you say what the words were because I'm having trouble remembering exactly. So it was, on the one side, it was like, damn, Daniel. Right. And then on the other side, referencing the damn Daniel uh, vine, I guess. And then on the other side, it was like uh, federal secret police. Right. And in the middle where they're shaking hands, it says back at it again with the white vans. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Very which, good. Which when that damn Daniel like mm-hmm. meme thing came out, I was yeah. like, I cried. I was like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I just have to tell you that that is, in terms of things that you have put in my Twitter feed, that in my recollection is second only to your own post about the difference between young people and old people <laughs> using zoom yeah the the way you visualize that was was so funny i i i have that on my my list of likes or favorites on twitter and i look back at it sometimes and i'm like this is it's it's professional grade like perfect internet comedy I was so proud of myself yeah, for that. As you should be. That 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 should have gone viral. <laughs> and the other thing is, I don't know if you saw, I responded to it because I took a picture of my one coworker who consistently does this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't even mind posting this because her yeah. face is so obscure. Yes, I do remember that as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was so funny. And it's also not, it's not totally true because I do have plenty of coworkers that do that correctly. But God, the old people, man, it's just... Yeah, I'd like to mostly see your ceiling. Thanks. <laughs> um, so we're here to once again, yes, for the fourth time because we do it once per season. 
outside of the regular uh, broadcast, in between seasons, we we open up the Thorn SB mailbag <laughs> and uh, read the uh, uh, few and far between, but but invaluable uh, comments, emails, mm-hmm. text messages, etc. <laughs> Uh, that we receive from our closest friends and immediate family who who make up the the audience of our podcast. Mm-hmm. And and Liz, you're going to, as you do, take the reins. Yes. Because you've gathered this stuff up uh, for the both of us. Yes. So the first one I want to read is like a little guy. Um, but... Uh, current. I I didn't actually check today, but I'm assuming this is still true. Um, our least listened to episode mm-hmm. ever. Do you know what it is? The meal prep one. It's the meal prep one. Yeah. And so, um, I was talking to my friend Billy. Um, uh, Billy Tadros is an author, and she also had a book come out. She and I have been doing some book stuff together. I'm going to be virtually visiting the University of Scranton in the fall, where she teaches. Um, was going to be in person and I was going to get to do the whole like rigmarole like we used to do like we used to have at Susquehanna mm-hmm. where I like got there one day and did a bunch of like workshops and alas that has been taken from me as well but yeah um, we were talking about stuff and uh, she said to me um, we were talking about getting something done and she was saying um uh, that she was meal prepping and that she needed to finish meal prepping before um, she could help us help, help like do the thing she was going to do for me. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I did a whole podcast episode on meal planning, but I too uh, have been like struggling a little bit with it during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And she was like, actually, Brooke used your podcast as our inspiration for how we meal prep now. Ah. And I was like, "Oh my god!" Yes. If one if one person does it, then it's been a success. Mm-hmm. So that's just like a nice compliment uh, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let me see what we have next. Let's see. I'm uh, going through our emails, and I uh, see that you signed up for another movie account. Yeah, I, which I'm not <laughs> using, by the way. I, I thought I needed a new free trial, and then I extended my original free trial, so <laughs> uh, I didn't know I was going to get that opportunity. Um, speaking of movies, though, um, while you're looking for the next uh, piece of feedback, I will... Mm-hmm. Uh, wrap up another little narrative while you were talking about meal prep. I just remembered um, last time we recorded, I hadn't yet gone to the loft for our private screening. Yes. How was that? I was great. Yeah. I, so, so I talked about in previous episodes how I was uh, attempting to reserve uh, the loft cinema's uh, biggest theater here in Tucson Mm -hmm. for a private screening. Uh, for Dana's birthday, um, they started offering it in June. You can bring up to ten people. It's only a hundred bucks an hour. Um, oh, finally, you've revealed the price. Yes. Well, no it's, longer gauche, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's still it's still gauche, but I've had to talk <laughs> about it with so many people. I'm just used to it by now. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it went great. Um, we we requested, uh, I talked about this already. I said, can you show us the original Star Wars? I mean, the real original Star Wars, not a special edition. Mm-hmm. They said, they're the fa- they said, well, no, but fans made the despecialized edition and we can screen that. I said, that <laughs> sounds cool. I'd like to see that. Um, and it worked and we got, uh, Dana and I got eight of our friends to turn out. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was uh, probably the the most fun, not the most fun, but the 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 touch that I was looking for that I didn't know specifically I was looking for this touch, but I was like, oh okay, I got it I got a, a nice touch that was in addition to what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was thinking to myself, like, well, if I were, if I were on the other side of this, I would be offering me or surprising me with like a little message on the screen before the mm-hmm. movie that says like, happy birthday, Dana deal. Cause I made it clear mm-hmm. why we were reserving it. I, I gave them Dana's name. I said it was her birthday. I thought, okay, it's not much effort probably to put that on the screen. Yeah. Or, or even um, it would be more effort. But I was thinking like, what if they put it on the marquee or, or gave me mm. the opportunity to, to you know, request something like that, which they didn't do. And now also I just found out they're, they're still churning out new ways to make revenue. And their newest mm. way to make revenue is they are selling. Um, you, can, you can put your message on their marquee. Nice. Um, so that's a separate issue. Um, the, the, the touch that they did give, which I wasn't expecting was when we got there early, we got there about as early as we were allowed to get there. Yeah. We got into the theater and, um, and, um, Star Wars soundtrack music was playing (gasps) in the theater. So like when you enter the theater, you know, in, in a regular, in regular circumstances, they would always do that. Right. There's always music playing Mm -hmm. while the, you know, ads, uh, are showing on the screen. Yeah. It always has a little something to do or a lot of something to do with the movie that you're about to see. And so when we walked in and the and Star Wars theme songs were playing, we were like, oh, this is this is just That's like incredible. going to the movies. And so and um, yeah, the despecialized edition was really cool. Um, it was. Yeah. Like I in like I had never seen Star Wars before. And uh, we we all had a, a lot of fun. And uh um, people who I've told about it uh, have seemed uh, very impressed and happy for us. And um, Dana is away this weekend being be- very responsibly um, socializing. Mm-hmm. And while she's away, uh, another friend of ours is having a birthday. And I am going back to the loft tonight. <gasps> uh, Do yes. you know what movie? Yes, it is the film Face Off. Starring John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. Wow. Okay. Yep. No, and not what I would have chosen. I I think it, I I I I I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, totally. And, and uh, so yeah, so you could you could say that Dana and I started a trend. I um, did Dana tell you the joke I I asked her about the joke question I asked her I about after the movie? I don't remember. I said. Dana, when Star Wars ended, did somebody say, 
oh my god, what do you think's going to happen? Mm. Yeah, that that doesn't really make any sense because that implies you're seeing it for the first time and you don't know that there are, you know, you don't know what follows. And if you just saw Star Wars for the first time and you didn't know what follows, you would not be champing at the bit for what happens next. It 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 was not written... With sequels in mind, it wraps itself up very nicely. Which what is do you one of think reasons... happens to that Vader guy? I'd like some more background information on that Vader guy. That's true. Darth Vader does live. <laughs> so so that's something. Um, but uh, and I, 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 under, I totally understand demanding a sequel after, <laughs> after seeing it. But what, one of the reasons why Star Wars is the best Star Wars movie is that it is... It's a package. It's yeah. neatly packaged. It, it's 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 perfect in a vacuum rather than mm-hmm. just being so great relative to the other movies. Yeah. So, do you want to hear some feedback I got from my brother on the Pennsylvania episode? A lot of Pennsylvania feedback we got. Sure. So I, f- I figured that was mostly what we were going to talk about. So good for me. So Blake, uh, Blake. I kept telling to send me an email and he kept saying, I'm sending you many small emails and I was annoyed with him, but he just was messaging me and all of his corrections as, Mm -hmm. as he listened. Yeah. (laughs) So, so it'll be like real time. Correction number one. My father was apparently not born in Harrisburg hospital, which Mm -hmm. is a claim I made. He -hmm. was made in the other hospital. He was made (laughs) He was born in the mm-hmm. other hospital in Harrisburg, which is, uh, Blake says he thinks it's Polytechnic Hospital. So Inter- that's the first Interesting correction. way to issue a correction. <laughs> the second correction, which I knew, I felt like this was wrong when I was saying it, but I didn't want to look it up because I was being lazy. The, the fourth Commonwealth school is Lincoln University. What did you say? Liberty. Ah, and yes. the reason I get these confused, Liberty is actually a very conservative religious affiliated school. Um, mm-hmm. Christian. Christian reli- yes. religion. Right. Um, that I've had some friends go to. Right. Um, that's the kind of school where it's like, God forbid a boy and a girl be in the same room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if they are, the doors to be open and both of their feet have to be on the ground. Mm-hmm. Because they love to control you even as an adult. Right. Um, so yes, that is not it. It's there's, Lincoln there's University. Some, there's some. It's fam- also the smallest. There's some famous figure associated with Liberty. I want to say it's like Pat Robertson. Um, this is just another thing that Blake wanted to correct. Right. <laughs> there, no, there. It's like yeah, it's some. It's somebody like Pat Robertson or. There's some um, founder or president or patron or mascot who is like a famous, maybe a televangelist or, or, you know, one of those quote unquote religious leaders who is like a celebrity. Yeah. God, what is his name? I know exactly who you're talking about. Oh, I didn't want to look up Liberty University online. That's not what I needed in my life. <laughs> Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Jerry Falwell. Jerry Falwell, that's right. And Jerry, Jerry Falwell, Falwell Jr. Pat Robertson. Same thing. Yeah. Same difference, as they say. 
Um, his next correction was that we are absolutely Pennsylvania Dutch. I said I didn't, we weren't Pennsylvania Dutch, but we ate a lot of Pennsylvania Dutch food. He's, I said, what? Nobody's ever said that to me before. <laughs> he was like, where the fuck do you think Beeble comes from? Um, I'm guessing that's a maiden name. So that was my gra- my my father's mother's maiden name was mm-hmm. Beeble, spelled B E I B L E. And he said, "It's not because we didn't know where they were from. They're w- meaning the Pennsylvania Dutch. That's not why they were called the Pennsylvania Dutch." He said, "There wasn't even a Germany then, and the English referred to people from around the Rhine as the Dutch." Mm-hmm. That's what Blake says. I was like, fine, thanks. You should send me an email. He said, no. Oh, Polyclinic, my mom says, is the name of the hospital. All right. He also said, uh, the Susquehanna, also the Susquehanna is like 300 million years old. And the Appalachian orogeny, I don't know what the fuck an orogeny is, is more complicated than that. Pennsylvania is a big state, and I don't know people who would deny it. I think it's fifth in terms of population. I was like, yeah, but not in terms of land mass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And um, I talked to him more off this chat about this is I because I kept saying that, like, there's a lot going on in a fairly small space. And finally, he was like, OK, yes, I see what you're saying. There's like a density of things happening, even for being the mo- fifth most populous state or whatever it is. R- remind me, please. Is Blake living yeah. with you now? <laughs> no. OK. Wasn't he going to? No. I thought that you were talking about, like, quarantining together. Oh, he's our one, uh, sort of, yeah. He's our one quarantine person that comes over. So he's been coming okay. over on weekends sometimes. Not this gotcha. weekend. But okay. um, he, he lives by himself and um, doesn't see anybody all the time. Yeah. So we basically, after, I mean, I know we've just discussed, like, when things open up, people get sick, blah, blah, blah. But we've basically decided that it's as if he lives with us in terms yeah. of, like, there are plenty of people that have four people that live together. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, like, we've decided that introducing a single, you know, it's not like we're, it's not even like a, two families that are suddenly interacting with one another. It's just like yeah. us and also Blake. <laughs> no, yeah. It, it's a little bit different from doing Major League Baseball at this time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The, yeah. the scale makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and that's been – being able to see Blake has been really, really nice and also mm-hmm. very good for Elliot, who was um, who was just always so happy to see him. Sure. And then the final fucking correction that Blake had mm-hmm. was the big boxes of pretzels that I said that we got. Mm-hmm. I said they were Snyder's. Of Hanover. And they were not. Mm-hmm. They were Martin's. <laughs> okay. But I will say, these boxes are um, one of the most specific boxes I've ever seen in my life, which you're like, <laughs> that sounds not true. Um, they're, they're boxes that they open from the top, mm-hmm. but the lid, you know how you have like two flaps of a lid mm-hmm. on like a box? Sure. Those flaps continued and folded down mm. so that they were flat against each other, mm-hmm. which just made them a lot more secure. Mm-hmm. So... Um, these boxes, for example, and the reason I brought this up is because, like, the Christmas tree ornaments that my mom has, she keeps in one of these Martin's pretzels boxes. Mm-hmm. And it's been in the same box for, like, my whole life. Right. <laughs> like, that's how sturdy of a cardboard box this is. Yeah, yeah. Locks in that freshness. Yeah. So, so that's it from Blake. That's it from Blake. So I know that there's more about Pennsylvania 
because yes. I've seen some of it. Mm-hmm. But um, before you move on, uh, I thought I would uh, just sprinkle in another subject just for the yes, sake please. of variety. Yeah. Um, we got a message from Sam Martone uh, on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, who we uh, have invoked uh, not long ago on the podcast. Uh, he wrote to say, just thought I'd let y'all know I'm re-listening to y'all's first two MCU episodes and then listening to the third one, which I haven't gotten to yet because I'm champing at the bit for more MCU content. So that's the <laughs> second time we've heard the phrase champing at the bit uh, in this episode. Thanks. Um, and, I, and then he says, I'm at the part in episode one where y'all besmirch Spider-Man's rogues gallery, um, which I don't remember doing. (laughs) And why would I do that? Because Spider-Man has the best and all the memorable villains from the Marvel side. Yeah. Like, I, I can't imagine we didn't talk about the fact that, like, if you look at comic books broadly, the, Mm -hmm. the grand scheme of things, like, all the best villains are Batman villains. Yeah. But then if you narrow it down to just Marvel, like all the memorable ones are Spider-Man villains. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that was how I experienced it growing up. Like, I didn't know who Thanos was until no. Thanos showed up in the movies, you know? Yeah. I didn't and know. In like, a, in like a post-credit scene, you're like, is this supposed to mean something? Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> who's that? Okay, I'll look it up. I didn't know... You know, Iron Monger, I didn't know Abomination, I didn't know Whiplash or Crimson Dynamo. Uh, I, God, I still don't know some of those people. I like, <laughs> I barely knew Loki before Thor came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but like, I could name, you know, Green Goblin, Dr. Octopus, the Rhino, uh, um, friggin' uh shocker electro mm-hmm. uh et cetera, et cetera. and um and this is reminding me that i guess second on the list is x-men because i could also you know prior to the movies i guess it's hard to say prior to the movies because the because the spider-man movies and the x-men movies go back farther than you know, yeah, we the were Avengers like, movies. we were quite, quite youthful when they came out. Yeah. So maybe I'm making a statement that I can't fairly make because I'm making a statement about what I could or couldn't name when I was like nine years old or mm-hmm. eight. So maybe I'm wrong, <laughs> but like, I think I was aware, you know, of Magneto, of Juggernaut, of Sabretooth. Yeah. Um, I was definitely aware of um, Shapeshifting Lady. Mystique. Just not that aware of Mystique. Yeah. Um, and Always here for a blue lady, you know? Oh, yeah. And even a blue man. Yeah. Uh, Nightcrawler, one of my favorite uh-huh. X-Men. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's kind of a bizarre, unfortunate coincidence or circumstance that until recently, Spider-Man and X-Men, the ones with the best villains, were the ones who were... You know, mm-hmm. outside the Avengers movie continuity, they were owned by other studios. They were they were not Marvel Studios films. Mm-hmm. And when Marvel Studios started up in earnest with Iron Man, you know, they just had the Avengers to build on and those characters, including the heroes and the villains. And it, and it's worth repeating, like it's it's 
weird and miraculous that that it became what it became because like yeah who cared about iron man in like yeah. 2007 remind me to tell you an iron man thing off air because i don't want kenny to hear it <laughs> okay interesting um and then i'm just looking through this twitter thread again oh yeah what um, else did he say uh he said thank you for talking about these movies for so many hours so i can listen you're welcome sam probably won't listen to this but you're welcome um can't wait for the disney plus shows episode or maybe they'll just be included in the phase four episode i got news for you sam i was fully planning on doing an episode like just about black widow like i was just i was gonna take the new ones just like one thing at a time (laughs) just for the sake of being able to you know you know uh impatiently uh cover them um and then it goes on from there, but it's not so much about the podcast. So um, shout out to Sam once again. I'll do um, also while we're here and we're doing a little bit of a side thing that Sam related. I'll bring this up um, for the Taking Back Sunday episode. Um, a friend uh, of Kenny's that I'm friends with on Facebook said, my only issue with this album is every time I listen to it, there seems to be this high-pitched ringing I can't unhear. Hmm. And this is something that I have never experienced. I think my ears can't hear it. I think we've discussed that I have pretty – I have mild – actually, maybe it's not mild. Maybe it's bad. But I have tinnitus (laughs) from going to shows in in high school and never wearing earplugs because I'm an idiot. Right. Um, But this was something Sam had brought up to me before. Um. But at the time, he had said, don't tweet about this because I don't want people to know. But he posted it right here, so I don't mind talking about it. So I said, a friend mentioned this to me recently. They just released a new remastered version on Spotify. I mean, it's other places, but Spotify was the place that I I could easily access it. And he said that the ringing is gone from the remastered version. Yes. Um, And he responded and said, yes, once I heard the ringing for the first time, I couldn't unhear it. The remaster fixes it. But for a long time before that, there wasn't an there was an unmastered version of the original mix floating around online that didn't also have the reason ringing called the T.A.Y.F. Quentengi Gold Studio reference or something similar. If you want to track it down. Cool. (laughs) Which I was like, this is why I love talking to Sam, because only Sam knows about like a like freaking like bootleg version of something that doesn't have some ringing that i can't even hear to begin with yeah this is what happens i have found when you um i mean other people might consider it like getting deep into the weeds and and like being a nerd about something Mm -hmm. i consider it just like taking an interest in something and and when i take an interest in a piece of media um if it's popular and especially if it's international, um, it's like you have to like study a bunch of homework just in <laughs> order to be able to enjoy it. Um, and and it's this way with, you know, the Marvel movies, which I can't talk about without talking about like a bunch of rights and yeah. and, and studios. And it's that way with um, the album remaster you were just talking about. It's that way with Star Wars where there's like, 100,000 different versions of each film. Yes. Um, and it's that way with um, uh, in quarantine, since we moved here, um, I've just been watching for the first time uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. 
um, which is an anime, um, mm-hmm. very uh, acclaimed, uh, celebrated anime. Um, and uh, it's just gone through so many different versions. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm watching it on Netflix, which is for someone, you know, here uh, in America, um, sort of the easiest way to watch it since it, it was added to Netflix last year, I think. Mm-hmm. But immediately there was controversy. People were like, the the subtitles are different from ever before. Like it's, yeah. a, it's a new translation. And, and in some people's mind, it's an inferior translation. Mm-hmm. Um, the dub is something new that was never heard before. Um, and uh, the end credit song is different. Because in the original, the end credits always had each episode has a unique version of the song. uh, In other words, or more, more, uh, probably more commonly known as Fly Me to the Moon, Mm -hmm. um, which is a song that apparently Netflix did not pay to license. And so and so (laughs) and so on Netflix, it ends with like a little piece of score from the show. Um, And so at the recommendation of the internet, what I'm doing is I'm watching each episode on Netflix, but then when each episode ends, I go over to YouTube where someone has uploaded a video that is just the end credit, a a compilation of the end credits of every episode. And so I watch that version um, after each episode. But then it's like, as often is the case with anime, it's like, oh, okay, um, there was a series and then there was a movie and maybe there were multiple mm-hmm. movies and like, what order do I watch them in and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's uh, like I said, it's homework. It's a lot, yeah. it's a lot of homework. I, I have had a similar, this is a little bit tangential, but I've had a similar weird experience happen with all of the different um, like podcasts that I listen to, mm-hmm. um, where I have gleaned information that I was not intending to glean, but because I listen to so consistently to everything by certain people. Mm-hmm. So as I think you know, like I've mentioned that I'm a fan of Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. And I'm also a really big fan of um, the comedians Cameron Esposito and Rhea Butcher, right. who used to be married. Um and the host of Buffering also used to be married. Right. And from listening to just like everything that comes out, I've had this, I've been able to figure out this whole narrative. And I mean, some of it I know is factually true. Other parts of it, I've just put it together that basically like Rhea and Jenny were both the people that wanted to break up on their half. At one point, um, Kristen had said that she later had a friend come over when that friend was going through her divorce and she was able to be there and be like, you know, I know exactly what you're feeling. And I later was listening to something that Cameron had done and realized that that friend was Cameron Esposito. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, so now it's like, I don't mean to have this like sort of intimate narrative of these two couples divorces, but Mm -hmm. just through the process of listening to everything that they put out because i love all four of them their work so much right i've gotten that yeah (laughs) and then i feel crazy i just feel like i feel like 
like one, like I, I have these intimate details I shouldn't have, but also that like, I want to tell people that I figured it out because it does feel like I'm solving this puzzle. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, that makes me think of like, I haven't listened to every single episode of comedy bang bang. Cause there are some that I just don't listen to. Cause mm. if I'm not really a fan of any of the guests, then yeah. I don't bother. Um, but, uh, I've listened to enough to say that like, if you really, if you're a dedicated listener of comedy bang bang and you listen to a lot of it and, and carefully, you will just occasionally get like glimpses into Scott Ackerman's personal life, which which <laughs> seems mostly like pretty protected. Yeah. Um, but every once in a while, something slips through, and sometimes you can tell that he's like not comfortable with it, but it like it still uh, it makes it into the podcast, and so um, you might know. Uh, Sorry, so, so I'm just look. I can see out the window from here, and it seems like somebody mm -hmm. is always like stopping outside of our house for one reason or another. <laughs> somebody just got out. I wonder if they're coming to the door. Guess we'll know wow. in a minute or less than a minute. <laughs> I mean, it should take them less than a minute. I'm just gonna assume that that has nothing to do with me. Yeah, that's fine. Till I hear the doorbell or a knock at the door. What if I? What if it was me? I mean, that would be impossible <laughs> since I can see you right now. What right, if it was like a delivery uh, from, what if I was like, I got you a cake and it's arriving right now. Oh, okay. So it wasn't you coming to the door, but it was someone you sent. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would be very special. Whoever it is, they might sorry. have left something outside. Do you want to go check and you can edit it or I can vamp or something? No, that's all right. I'll do it later. Um, what's Wouldn't next? it be funny if I thought vamp meant like scat and I you walked away and I was just like, do, 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 do. Yes, that would be so, extremely funny. <laughs> so let's get through. Let's get through the rest of this um, Pennsylvania stuff. So this is from largely from Kim, but also Sarah and Dana a little bit. Um, so Kim, of course, was very happy to hear the Pennsylvania episode. She said, listening to Liz talk about Pennsylvania, which I obviously have a lot of commentary about. I'm only partway through, but one of the best examples of the Philly accent and how, however you think it's pronounced, you're wrong. A town I grew up outside of Philly is, and this is um, the way, I'm going to say it the way it's spelled to make mm -hmm. sense, is Norris Town. Like my last name, Morris, but with an N. Right. Which is, of course, pronounced Narstown. Right. And it never even occurred to me to pronounce it Norris Town until I heard a car dealership with a paid voice actor saying Norris Town. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what? Oh, my God. No, that is probably how somebody would pronounce that, huh? She and said also did, on my... How, huh? did I re how did I reply to that? Uh, <laughs> Didn't I say something very <laughs> yeah. funny? You after that said Elizabeth Deanna Marslakes. Yes. <laughs> um. She also said, also on my long list of things I thought were normal universal experiences, the Mummers, which was also honestly a new thing to me um, as an older person. It wasn't until I'd lived in Arizona for several years that people were talking about the New Year's Rose Parade. And I was like, huh, what is that? And they were like, the New Year's Parade that everyone in the nation knows about. And I'm like, do you mean the Mummers Parade? Which, of course, was just nonsense words to them. I had only ever seen the Mummers Parade played on the local news channels and thought that was what everyone watched in the country on New Year's Day. And do do you know what the Mummers are? 
No, I don't. This is all foreign to me. Like even <laughs> even in this story, even the thing that I'm supposed to know about the parade yeah. that everyone knows, I don't know what they're talking about. If so you verse- if you ask me what's the parade everyone knows, I would say there's only one, and it's the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. <laughs> so that is the parade everyone knows. So the the Rose Parade takes place in California, and all of the floats have to be covered have to be made of things that are covered with either plants or seeds or plant material. Sure. So there'll be these sort of like foam. I don't know if they're actually made of foam, probably wood too, but like wooden foam things. And then there's like, they'll be like, this is covered with 2 million poppy seeds or Mm -hmm. something like that. I never watched the Rose Parade. The mummers are these like, (laughs) I should have looked this up first. The mummers are these, like, fucking clowns, basically. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they're, like, very racist a lot of the time. Sort yeah. of like a um, Mason Lodge type group, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a club. Yes. And every year there's four different, like, sets of clowns, um, if I'm remembering correctly. One is, like, funny and then, like, one is sad. I'm absolutely getting this wrong. But the idea is that they are these clowns and they dress up on New Year's Day and then have this parade and um, they often, they also will have the little cars. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen a clown and drive a small yes. car. That's uh, always part of the parade. That's the Mummers Parade. That's basically it. There's like way more artistry that goes into it. But yes, I, I, I believe the little, are you referring to like Shriners? Yes, they're sort of like Shriners. Maybe they're related even. Yes, I, I, I know this as a, as like a Simpsons reference. Yes. Like I have uh-huh. a picture in my head of like Hans Mole Man driving a little car and that's like a fez that's yes yeah exactly and that's called a shriner's car Uh that's that's what's in my head i'm sure that's related i'm sure somebody will just send us another message explaining this to us and we'll talk about it one year from now (laughs) (laughs) and i but yes i because the mummers are very specific to philadelphia i actually learned about them in new jersey because i my friends that live in audubon put them on after new year's that we spent up there Kathy was like, you don't know about the mummers? They're like a PA thing, you know. But for her, since she grew up right across the, the Delaware, like, they also play on those news stations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she sent us a book as a introduction to Pennsylvania Dutch cu- cu- cuisine by William Woys Weaver called an, As American as Shoe Fly Pie, the folklore and fake lore, the food lore, sorry, the food <laughs> lore and fake lore of Pennsylvania Dutch cuisine. Um, so neither word is folklore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's yes. that's a real bait and switch. Um, and then uh, I asked about Merck's cheese if she had eaten Merck's cheese, which is this like delicious, delicious spreadable cheese that I can only get in Pennsylvania that um, we would eat with like hard those hard pretzels. Mm-hmm. She was like, yeah, but mostly at family holiday parties. She said, it's interesting, most of the foods we think of as PA Dutch historically weren't really Dutchy. It was more, like, palatable to the tourists when the re- when the what the Dutch really ate was, like, mostly things stuffed into intestines. <laughs> um, and she said, also, I'm not a fan of weird meat products as a rule, but Scrapple is actually good if cut very thin and fried well so it's crispy instead of mushy. And then to, she said, did y'all talk about Dippy Eggs or as the Dutch say, Dippy X? Oh, my God my kingdom for a Lebanon bologna. <laughs> and I forgot, I had forgotten to talk about the pronunciation of Lebanon bologna, 
which is a very specific, like, cured meat product that mm. they make in Lebanon, PA. And Lebanon is pronounced Lebanon, but it's spelled Lebanon. Right. <laughs> Lebanon, of course, is in the Middle East. Lebanon is in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing we did not talk about is the pronunciation of Lancaster, mm-hmm. which is pronounced Lancaster. And Lancaster is in England. <laughs> right. And um, one of my greatest joys in my life is any time I uh, have heard Paul F. Tompkins say Lancaster mm-hmm. um, because he says it correctly. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a, he's a Pennsylvania guy. He's a, he's a Philadelphian. He's a Philly guy. Um, also, Kim pointed out that shoe fly pie is apparently a breakfast food sure. and not a dessert, which I did not know. Not according to the cafeteria. And the other sort of snacks... Um, belt thing that I missed that she pointed out was I missed hers potato chips. Mm. Um, quality potato chip, nothing. I would say nothing special. They they don't have something specific to them like Grandma Uts or something. Okay. And then tasty cakes. Which do you know about tasty cakes? Yeah, I always get. I feel like they get into New York. Uh, yeah, I think they have gotten into New York. They've also gotten into my mouth. Uh, <laughs> via, via Kim mainly. Mm-hmm. I always get a tasty cake or two when uh, Kim has gotten a care package in the mail or yeah. when she has visited home recently. Uh, I love a tasty cake. My favorite tasty cake is candy cakes. Okay. Which are a sponge cake mm-hmm. that's got a layer of peanut butter and then it's enrobed in chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the sort of... Candy cakes are a sort of thing that people always try to make copycat versions of. Yeah. Um, and they almost always fail because they make the chocolate too thick and they mm. make the chiclet chocolate too hard. Yeah. Um, when really it should be like not really chocolate, but like chocolate product, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm so not picky about that type of stuff that <laughs> I feel like I have no real preference in this arena where, among other people, preferences seem to be very important. <laughs> like when you're comparing like Drake's Cakes to Little Debbie's to Tasty Cakes to Entenmann's, you know, all these different brands. It's all good to me, whether it's Yodels or Ding Dongs yeah. or... Swiss ring dings rolls. or swiss cake rolls or zebra cakes or a big honey bun or whatever <laughs> tasty cake uh varietal uh you put in front of me uh, it's all good to me and i would be hard pressed to pick a favorite yeah i had um i had a preference for candy cake specifically because i liked like chocolate and peanut butter was like my favorite mm-hmm like combination of yeah, things. I love that combination. Give me give, um, give me a Reese's cup over like any candy bar I can think of. Uh but I think also like as my, I mean I just want to say like clearly all tasty cake stuff is going to be really sweet, but like some of those candy some of those little like packaged cakes even as a kid were like and we're getting into different brands now. We're just like too sweet for me. Mm-hmm. Like you know like I will never be interested in an in a frosted brownie Mm. so like those cosmic brownies have you ever seen those those are great i do not like those they're too sweet and i don't 
I also have a I also am very specific about frosting, which I feel like most people put too much frosting on shit, but yeah. Um, um you can never have too much frosting. I will say <laughs> that if I had to rank these things, cosmic brownie would be probably near the bottom. However, I would gladly eat anything on that list. The, yeah, there's yeah. no there's no such thing as so far down the ladder that I would, you know, turn my nose up at it. Yeah, that's fair. Um another Pennsylvania thing from our friend Boots uh out in Western PA now. Um he said tea berry is my favorite ice cream flavor and I will fight to defend its honor. Mm. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what you have to say about it because I haven't listened yet. I just saw your show notes. I was like, Boots, it's my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I'm going to get to eat any this summer because I can't. I'm not yeah. in Pennsylvania. Um, we did have, I actually was very briefly in Pennsylvania about three weeks ago because we thought my mom was dead. Yes. <laughs> she's not. She's not. That's good. I, di- <laughs> I did hear. I did hear. Um, so we drove for the for the listeners. We drove there. Blake and I drove there at like 10 at night and then found out she was in fact not dead she just was asleep and yes. falling asleep and not looked at her phone right. and then we drove back she was she um, was unresponsive yes and uh anyone who might uh be able to explain why who who was responsive did not have an explanation for you yes, Th- yes. There, we even therefore said- it seemed like an emergency we found a dude i i realized i remembered that a dude we went to high school with lived it lives in my mom's neighborhood because he's an actor and he lives with my mom or he doesn't live with my mom he lives with his mom because uh-huh. he's like not working right now uh-huh. um he's like the kind of dude who like will go on like cruise ships for like months at a time mm-hmm. um a good dude clearly because he walked the fuck over to my mother's house and looked in her fucking windows for me and couldn't see her and that's right. when i was like something is wrong <laughs> um but yeah so i that was the only time i'll probably be in pennsylvania this summer (laughs) was to like was like in the middle of the night for literally you know if we're not counting when i was in the car 45 minutes right um so uh boots also says um that scrapple's very good and um he also mentioned birch beer. Did I bring up birch beer on the podcast? I think we talked about birch beer. Yeah, and I was like, birch beer is also my favorite. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, he was talking about Scrapple, and he said, oh, no, now hang on a second here. You did not just speak down about my Scrapple, did you? Because we might have to have some words about it in case you did. If you can't tell my I love food, and I'm very passionate about weird food in Pennsylvania. I was like, listen, my grandfather, I love my grandfather, and my grandfather loved Scrapple. I respect it, but I will not eat it. <laughs> just real quick uh, point of clarification. You said that these messages are from our friend Boots, and mm-hmm. you, you meant... Um, uh, Dora's friend Boots, right? <laughs> well, let me tell you, this has actually come up before. So this is our friend Josh Rubel, who I call Boots, mm-hmm. who has, I referred to him as our friend because he's responded. He listens to the podcast fairly regularly and has sent us messages in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe if I know my Dora the Explorer correctly, he is a, yes. a little uh, blue and purple monkey. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And the first time we were going to hang out with Boots when Elliot was older, we told him that we'd be seeing our friends like Hannah and Mike 
also friends of the pod mm-hmm. and friend Mike Mike Jones also a friend of the pod I said and our friend Boots and he said and Dora be there too and I was like <laughs> I was like what and then I was oh. like oh god damn it <laughs> perfect um so yeah so that's that's that from Boots and then I I think we might be into our season 3 feedback let's let's go all the way back to season so, three do you have any idea who this might be from um trying to remember have i mentioned this to you I, I i don't know if i did i you you might have I, i'm not it's not coming to me I'm trying to remember what we talked about in season three um mike was on the podcast obviously for marvel phase three um but I think I don't my, think I mentioned this. I think my Edgar Wright episode was in season three. So, um, oh, speaking of which, this is something I wanted to bring up on the mailbag before we get in. Did you see the the and or watch the um, reading of the Scott Pilgrim? I ha- I haven't watched it. I'm, I'm aware of it because YouTube has uh, put it Suggested in my it, yeah. suggestions many times. But I, I it's like an hour and a half. Or so. I, no, I haven't watched. I haven't watched. Hardly, I, I mean, there's like a bunch of things like that now yeah. on YouTube. Table reads and and reunions. There's like a community mm-hmm. re- cast reunion. And um, I, I, I haven't watched like any of those things. So Kenny and I watched um, the Scott Pilgrim one. Yeah. And it's absolutely worth it. It's yeah. so good. They, sure actually sure. edit, they actually did some editing of it. Uh-huh. Um, a, for a couple of the fight scenes, they show the like storyboard. Mm-hmm. Um, drawings That's cool. and then um, Brian Lee O'Malley is on it and is doing drawings as they oh, get wow. through different scenes oh, and they, cool. they auctioned them off I'm assuming that's over at this point but yeah. they auctioned them right for charity um, and I assume but also pretty much everyone was there the only person that the only sort of big person that wasn't there was um, Brie Larson ah um, as Envy um, yeah but um which Anna Kendrick plays her. She actually doesn't have that many lines. She just like right. is sort of there a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. in our like in our in our mm-hmm. um and uh uh Macaulay Culkin's brother Kieran. isn't there. Kieran Culkin. Kieran Kieran isn't there, and then also the dude who played young Neil, but again, minor. Well, wow, that's a shame though. He's a real cutie. He's so cute. <laughs> um does uh, he, uh my question is uh, I know. I know from the thumbnail, Edgar Wright is there. Yes, is, he's he's. Is he reading like stage directions, like that kind of yeah, thing? Yeah. So okay. he reads stage directions. There's another writer there that fills. There's another writer of the movie whose name I don't remember. Who's fills in for some of the people that they don't have, mm-hmm. and then um, uh, Jason Schwartzman yeah. reads a lot of the text that would have been like on the screen. Oh, that's fun. In the comic book text. Yeah. So you so you get to hear his voice a lot early on when normally you wouldn't hear him until the end of the movie. That's fun. That's an interesting choice. Um I, I was very impressed with how well it was done. I thought it was done incredibly well and um it was very they were just all clearly very happy to see each other, which was cute and um and But it was it was just also like the editing of it was like very, very good too. For what it for for like a fucking Zoom thing, which is like what we have now. Right. I was like, oh, this is the way to do this. Yeah, yeah, you can do things with it. Um, and that's the last time we will talk about actor Jason Schwartzman 
on this podcast. <laughs> Not just yeah, this sure. episode, but the podcast <laughs> in general. I swear to you, it's a campaign promise. <laughs> Wait, you're kidding, right? Hmm? Okay. <laughs> What's the season three thing? Really? So Spencer. Coley? From, yeah. Sorry if I... I mean, you used the full name Joshua Rubel earlier, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, that's fine. Spencer Coley um, messages me and talks to me every so often on Facebook Messenger, and he listened to the Moana episode. Ah. Um, and he had asked about the podcast before um, and had said, you know, do I have to listen in order? And I said, no, not at all. Um, uh, and... <laughs> He uh, had a lot of feelings, which I'll share, as I'm sure you can imagine. I don't know about this. <laughs> so he said, listen to your Moana take. Was on board with a lot of it. Not sure I agreed about the sexual assault allegory. And I said, well, just so you know, I'm not the only person to think that. And he said, I know you aren't. I'm just still not sure I see it that way. I'm coming at it from more of a perspective about humanities and gratitude and relationship with the divine in nature. The reason Moana can set things right is because this whole problem was caused by human neglect and human greed. And unlike Maui, she's just human. I'm not saying your take is wrong, just for the record. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know if he was going to try to argue with me. And I was like, I can't. I don't know if I can do, do that emotionally at the time that he was messaging me. Um, he also said, also something I noticed about the movie is that Moana goes through the goes through three trials when she's out in the world. Fight with the coconut pirates and the trial is a trial of combat strength. Um a physical trial and then in the realm of monsters the crab is a trial of intelligence cunning and she has to trick the enemy to triumph and then the final trial is one of spirit slash heart i don't have anything to actually take away from it other than i like trials that comes in threes and that sort of thing yes <laughs> which i was like yeah that's cool and he said given how much you like the little mermaid i'm surprised you didn't comment on how the Mo how moana is a, the reverse little mermaid is this something that you've seen i don't think so i uh... haven't either that sounds slightly familiar, but that that might just be like a cognitive bias talking. And I um I'm not sure I totally agree with this. But but I'll tell I'll I'll say why in a second. He said, you know, quote, I've spent all my life in the ocean and now I want to be on land versus quote, I mm -hmm. spent all my life on land and now I want to be in the ocean. Right, of course. And then quote, I want to finally explore human society versus quote, I want to leave human society and explore the natural world. And the reason I, I don't totally agree with this is, like, I don't think Moana wants to be in the ocean. I think she wants to be on the ocean to get to other places. Uh, I feel like that's sort of a superficial difference. And I, I think I think the ocean is the thing. I haven't yeah, seen I, it in a little while, but I feel like the ocean is the thing. Not as much as, like, other continents or whatever. I guess... I guess I see it less of like, I see it more of her wanting to know what else is out in the world. So like the second part of that, I agree with. Um, but I'm not even so sure it's the natural world. Anyway, um, I, I think maybe it's maybe not even totally clear, I, I think, except that she wants to leave. <laughs> I think I think if that breaks down at all for me, where it breaks down is um, it it's by saying it's 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 the reverse and that Moana wants to go from human society to the natural world. That implies that the reverse little, the little mermaid, she wants to go 
from the natural world to human society. And I when would, she's in part of a highly structured society. Right. I would just say that, yeah, yeah, like Ariel is part of just a different human society that happens to live underwater. <laughs> that And ironically, because... I forgot that I was going to be talking about this, and I also did not pick this. Kenny and Elliot watched the first, like, 25 minutes of Little Mermaid before he took his nap today. Yeah. And, um, in fact, you know, the the mer people think that humans are sort of dangerous, wild people. Right. Um. But, yeah. And then he also said, man sings song about eating crab. Crab sings song about eating man. <laughs> And then he said, okay, it's not exact an exact one for un, but the complementary opposites are intriguing. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, and then he also thought that – he also said, also, Maui isn't actually fat. And I think that this was something that maybe I misspoke. I don't know if I attributed it to this or not. Um, yes, Maui is not fat. Maui is what, like, actual – bodybuilders look like i mean still hyper hyperbolically because of how large and yes. rectangular he is but right. his body type is is absolutely that of somebody who's somebody who's incredibly in shape um i believe the article i had read where um people had been critical of the way he was shaped because the maui of lore is a really skinny dude right. um used that terminology clearly that terminology has a lot of um <laughs> nuance and um complexity associated with it mm -hmm. um it was probably not the most accurate word but i believe when i was speaking about that i was specifically referencing the reaction that those people had had mm -hmm. to to that um so yeah so that that's uh that it's was kind of actually come to think of it it is another way in which moana is opposite little mermaid because oh yeah people are having opposite reactions to the casting of live action Little Mermaid. Mm. They're saying that person isn't fat enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The person who might portray or was it portray Ursula. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's good. They want, so, yeah, they it, want is, a real it is a comparison. Uh, I don't totally agree, but he doesn't totally agree with me either. So that's fine. Um but it, it is a comparison that I hadn't actually seen or thought of at all. Mm -hmm. um, especially since, I mean, if you're looking at it in the reverse sense, I guess that does make sense. Like, so much of The Little Mermaid is just about Ariel, like, wanting to make out with Prince Eric. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and her doing, her just being so naive and just blindly trying to get away. Um, you know, that, you know, compared to moana which has no love interest um and also like really i i would i'm i'm you know clearly there's like people who are critical of the disney princess movies and and rightfully so and i think that we can just know that and still appreciate them but like watching watching ariel sometimes in this movie like hurts a little mm -hmm. bit more than like beauty and the beast for me yeah because she like um is basically like it feels almost like she's trying to like, her only way that she knows to get out of her father's grasp, who her father's, like, not a good dude, um, is to find another man, basically. Like, to just shift the person that has has the the rights to her. Mm -hmm. um, Sorry. Like, when she's singing about part of your world, she says, maybe on land they understand 
or met maybe on land they understand that they don't reprimand their daughters um like that's what she's trying to get away from mm-hmm. <laughs> she's trying to get away from her shitty controlling father right uh were you gonna say something i, I was but i then i stopped myself <laughs> I, I started to uh, apologize for um, becoming distracted and, and holding in laughter because I was remembering uh, someone I knew in college who named their fish uh, King Triton. <laughs> and um, that just kind of became a little bit of a running joke uh, between me and Dana. But uh <laughs> Uh, yeah. Wow, what a name to name a fish. Yeah. Um, we can talk more about that off mic. Yeah. Just as you were going to say something off mic that you didn't want Kennedy to hear, but now I don't remember <laughs> what it was about. It's about Iron Man. It's about right. a present. Right. Okay. Um, I think that that's all I have in terms of like um, mailbag stuff. Well, that's very good because... Now we have sufficient time to uh, talk a little bit about the future before we wrap up. Mm -hmm. And the future is, um, and 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 we've we've talked about this a little bit, but I also want to talk about some details that we haven't fully talked about yet. Mm -hmm. Um. The future is uh, season five, I'm thinking in the fall. Yeah, okay. So as in like probably starting to release episodes in late September Mm -hmm. and then it'll probably be wrapped up by Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Ten episodes um, all about the films of Wes Anderson. Yes. Which... Before, we can't shake on it this time, but right, the old shake still stands. Before quarantine, we thought a new Wes Anderson movie was coming out in July. We mm-hmm. thought we will, le- leading up to that, we will do episodes about all of his movies. And then in the finale, we will be able to talk about the new one. Um, then that film was delayed to October. Mm-hmm. And we say, okay, we do season four the way we would normally do the podcast. Now it's got this quarantine framing device around it. And uh, we can do the Wes Anderson stuff later, hoping mm-hmm. that not only will the movie come out in October, but in fact, it would overlap with your visit to Tucson. Mm-hmm. And we would see it together and we would be able to record together. Well, now, just in the past week or two, it's been announced that Disney, who, by the way, I had sort of overlooked the fact that the French Dispatch is now a Disney film. Yeah, and I haven't looked closely on Disney Plus, but the Fantastic Mr. Fox is up there too. Yeah, so um, I think that that was uh, part of Disney's acquisition of uh, the Fantastic uh, 20th Century Fox. Um, I don't know if that's true or if that's just a pun that I made up. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But um, I, I think, um, I guess I'll research this before the new season of the podcast starts, but I think Wes Anderson 
films were like Fox Searchlight. I think they were like under the Searchlight uh, Yeah, moniker. that sounds right. And so that would have been part of the 20th Century Fox uh, merger or or mm-hmm. um, what do you what do you call it when it's uh, when when one company overtakes another? Oh, uh, takeover acquisition. Acquisition, yeah, that's a good word. Um, so uh, the, the 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 recent announcement was that the French Dispatch is just off the calendar. Yes, um, that it's delayed indefinitely. Um, same is true for uh, Mulan. They they took multiple things mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. off the calendar. There's no more date for the foreseeable future. Um, so um, we are going to do our Wes Anderson podcast anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, at my suggestion, uh, we're going to do it in the style of my favorite podcast, Blank Check with Griffin and David. Mm-hmm. They take a director. They do one podcast episode per film in their filmography. Um, Wes Anderson is a director who maybe it could be argued would fit their narrative of someone who received a blank check from Hollywood. But, mm-hmm. and they've even, I've even heard them bat around the name Wes Anderson, but for the foreseeable future and maybe even indefinitely, I have real hope and expectations that they will not cover Wes Anderson on their podcast. Yeah. Um, and so we are borrowing their format, but not ripping off their content exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the French Dispatch is his 10th feature film. So that was going to give us a very neat 10, ten episodes. So um, instead, we have nine feature films to work with. So I foresee that there are nine episodes, one for each film. And then there mm-hmm. is also a 10th episode, which is just called like Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. And in preparation for that one, we watch whatever short films of his we can view, including commercials that he's directed. Ooh. And we just talk about all the ephemera, all the ephemera, outside of his future films, and we do sort of a recap and we do our rankings of the nine feature films, yeah. and then we just look forward to the day, hoping that it ever comes that we will be able to see the French Dispatch, um, and the podcast is is not really concerned with that um, uh, for the time being. This is this is. Um something we can also discuss off air, but like we're going to watch Hotel Chevalier in conjunction with the Darjeeling limited though. Right. You can do that. I don't want to. I well, I have already done it multiple times. I know. I, I'm sure you have, but you know, I'm going to watch each of these movies in some, in, in all but one case, rewatch them, uh-huh. but I'm going to watch them, you know, soon before we record yes and uh i i had thought to myself i've decided i just want to watch the darjeeling limited as most people would have seen it without Mm -hmm. seeing the hotel chevalier so i disagree with you but continue okay i want i if 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 we had the french dispatch Mm mm-hmm uh, if we had access to the French Dispatch and we had that subject for the 10th episode, I would say absolutely we have to talk about the Hotel Chevalier 
at the same time we talk about the Darjeeling Limited. But since we don't, and and I want to fill a 10th episode, mm-hmm. I want to watch the Darjeeling Limited by itself, talk about the movie, the Darjeeling Limited. Mm-hmm. And then later, when we get into that 10th episode where we have time to fill, Mm-hmm. The Hotel Chevalier will be at the top of the list of the things that we talk about in that okay. episode. You can do it differently if you want to. That's how I'm going to do it. Well, I mean, I <laughs> so I've been I've been catching up in preparation, and um, yeah, that was one of the ones I rewatched on the DVD. You can the first option on the DVD menu is to play the Hotel Chevalier followed by the Darjeeling Limited. Okay. But I would also I would point out that anyone who saw it in the theater did not have that option. But do you know how the Hotel Chevalier was originally released? Yeah, uh, iTunes, right? Yeah, so yeah. plenty of people downloaded it for free and saw it, like me. I was also one of them. <laughs> I just think I I think. Personally, knowing what I know about these films, the feature Mm -hmm. and the short, I think it is more interesting to have a conversation about what it is like to just watch the feature film. Okay. In in a you know without the short. Mm Hmm. Um. And then I before we wrap up, I just want to talk a little bit about the content of these episodes. Yes, please. So we will record an episode having just watched the film that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. The first one is is Bottle Rocket. So mm-hmm. if you're going to watch along with us, watch Bottle Rocket by the time we put out the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a short called Bottle Rocket, we're, but we're talking about the feature film in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh when uh, we we talk about it, we will set the table a little bit with context. Um, we will sort of talk our... It's, it's 1997. Yes, for example, <laughs> yes. Um, we will sort of talk our way through the plot of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, something that often happens on Blank Check is they will just hone in on one of the actors and just like talk about their career. Mm-hmm. So I would like to, in a sort of very deliberate way, do that. Okay. Yeah. Um, part of the table setting context is that I definitely want to remember to look at what awards are associated with this film, what it was nominated oh, okay. for and what it might've won. And uh-huh. that might sort of point us in a particular direction of like, which actor we should talk about which is a hard thing to do when so many of these are like big ensemble films Mm -hmm. um but i think it would be interesting to hone in on just one person's career per episode so we'll try that and then finally um i i i i don't have the intention to one for one exactly mimic the format of blank check that's not my intent i just want to yeah I'm sort of cherry picking uh, at the end of each episode of blank check. They do. They play what they call the box office game. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do that, but I would like to play a different game with you, which is called 
which I call the letterboxed game, mm-hmm. which we played a little bit before in one of our Twitch streams. Yeah. Uh, where I will look up uh, reviews on Letterboxd for a film mm-hmm. and I will tell you just a teeny little bit of information about the film and read a review and you have to guess what film it is. And I will just be going by like whatever year the Wes Anderson film we talked about came out. I oh, will good. look at okay. films from that year and we'll we'll go from there. Okay. Um, yeah. And that'll, that'll, that'll be... That'll be like a segment. That'll be so that'll be like a true like, okay, there's a specific thing that we do in the segment. And the rest of what I talked about is just kind of fluid what 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 I intend to cover. Mm-hmm. Um so uh yeah, I'm looking forward to watching all I'm of these. I'm so films. excited for this season. Yeah. yeah. I've been rewatching them already. Um, because I think I texted this to you, but we had put a bunch on hold at the library before the pandemic. Right. And then when the library, you know, did it semi has your have your library started doing this? This sort of pick off drop off mm-hmm. situation yeah. now? Mm-hmm. So that's so Kenny went to go pick them up and we got like five. So we watched a bunch one week. I have Bottle Rocket right now. Rushmore is available to pick up this week, the, which is the one movie I haven't seen. Which and actually, crazy. I was saying to Kenny, I have no idea who's in that movie. Wow. I have no idea what the plot is. I could tell you not. I know nothing about this movie except that it came after Bottle Rocket and before Tenenbaums. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Um it's not it's not crazy to not know what the plot is because I feel like you could say this about a lot of his movies. It's not very plot heavy. It's I don't know but, the, the the premise. But yes, I don't know the setting. The fact I don't that, know the fact I have no that you, visuals. The fact that you don't know who's in it and that you don't know like what the title Rushmore refers to. Like that's crazy. I feel Does does it refer to a Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. So you do know Somehow that. Somehow I know that. Okay. That one thing, but I don't know how I know that, and I don't know what it means. I don't know if it's a high school. I don't know if it's a college. We talked I about don't it. Know if it's a, a little bit school. when we when I talked about the Decemberists, because I talked about how their music video for Sixteen Military Wives is like clearly uh, like an homage to Rushmore. Mm. Okay. Uh, yes. And, maybe that's and Wes how. Anderson, like at that moment. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, it's, uh, I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about that. So we're going to start out with some, with filling some, some gaps because I've never seen Bottle Rocket. Mm -hmm. That's his first feature film. That's the only one of his films that I haven't seen. And then right after that is Rushmore, which, Mm -hmm. uh, which it'll be your first time watching that. Yes. Um, and then, uh, yeah. Uh, so nine films, nine episodes, and then sort of a bonus 10th episode where we talk and about we're gonna be, all of it. Are we going to be ranking these as we go along? I want to, I mean, it inevitably, I think it'll be impossible to talk about these films without talking about preferences, but I want the actual rankings to be like the centerpiece of the bonus, the 10th episode. Oh, okay. I had a I had an idea for a way we could do it that would be interesting. Okay. But do you want to pitch me on it now? Can I pitch you? Yeah. I think that we should add the movies to the list as we get to them. Mm-hmm. So Bottle Rocket. We start out 
Bottle Rocket is number one for both of us. Mm-hmm. It's also the only movie on the list. Right. Rushmore is we place Rushmore. You know, hypothetically, yeah. you put it at the number one spot. Right. We get to Ten and Bombs, like that goes on the list, and then the list shifts. Yes. Um, I might even if we don't do this out loud, I probably will do it this way because otherwise, I don't know how I will actually get a fair. I might do that off mic. I I I, I think if assessment. I think if we do that on mic, that gives us less to do in the tenth episode, which is already okay. kind of a uh struggle to to define you you know to define it to mm-hmm. to uh, to justify it is what i'm trying to mm-hmm. say to justify doing doing the 10th episode when there's no 10th movie mm-hmm. um but uh absolutely if you want to talk about that along the way uh i and can't stop you in in the 10th <laughs> just as just in as the... i can't and won't stop you if you, if, about the if you talk about Hotel Trevalier during the Darjeeling Limited episode. <laughs> we get to the end of Darjeeling Limited. I'm like, and then Natalie Portman's there for like two seconds for some fucking reason. That's what Who I want say? to talk about. That's what I want to talk about is the experience of seeing that moment in the film without seeing the, if you hadn't, what if you hadn't seen the short? Um, And then one final clarifying question just for our listeners, because I think that this might be something that they might want to check in on or at least look up on wikipedia do you want to talk about the squid and the whale in that last episode at all and slash noah bomback who he's collaborated with uh i hadn't really i mean i had only thought about that to the extent that noah bomback is a collaborator on some of wes anderson's films yeah um i guess i will that's a uh, that's a good avenue for research because i I need to research um, times when Wes Anderson was a collaborator on uh, something that he did not direct himself. Yeah. So the reason I bring that up is because it's one of the few movies Mm -hmm. that he has worked on as like a producer that he has not been a director writer on. Um, That's very interesting. Yeah. There's two others... Um, when like if you just look at Wikipedia that I've never heard heard of, I'm I'm looking up his IMDb now, but go on. Um, and you know, of course, I feel like Wikipedia always has like sort of the main hits, but not always the um some stuff that might show up on IMDb. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so like we have he's done Squid and the Whale, and then the other two main films are She's Funny That Way, and then Escapes, which is a documentary, I guess, mm. and doesn't even have its own page. Um, She's Funny That Way, of course, having some of the you know, has Owen Wilson in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm looking at his writing credits uh, on IMDb. It appears to be all his own stuff. And by yeah. that, I mean, as a director. And now I'm looking at his producer credits. Yeah, executive producer uh, on uh, Escapes, which is a documentary. And she's funny that way, which I guess is a feature. Um, and scrolling, scrolling. Okay, yeah. Producer on Squid and the Whale. Yeah. So maybe, we'll, maybe we'll decide later. We have time to figure it out. Yeah. But maybe we will rewatch Squid and the Whale um, before that tenth episode, and maybe that'll be part of what we talk about. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Otherwise, like I'm. I'm real stoked to get into it. I really like Wes Anderson. I I have a lot I have a lot of things to say. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 
um, yeah, I'm 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 glad to be I'm I'm ready I'm ready to watch these films. Um, I've been watching been watching a lot of David Lynch because um, mm. we watched Twin Peaks for the first time uh, starting around the time quarantine started. Uh, and now we're watching some of his feature films. Um, and uh, we've watched uh, some new stuff recently. Nice. Um, to the extent that there is new stuff, which is mm-hmm. kind of uh, murky, but uh, it's out there. Um, you know, Netflix and Hulu originals. Um, I think we. I think the thing we enjoyed most was Palm Springs. We watched Palms. I was going to okay. bring up Palm Springs. Great. I was so happy about Palm Springs yeah, because you it too. I loved the Lonely Island, like in high school and college. Yeah. Um, like before, before they were on SNL and then when they were doing stuff sort of like through SNL, but it was still like Lonely Island branded Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. And then the stuff they had done sort of after that, I was not super into and I was really sad about it. So I was really glad to see Palm Springs, which is like absolutely like a Lonely Island, like affiliated movie. Mm -hmm. Um, because it was so funny and so smart and actually made me laugh and yeah. I agree. It is good. Um, I'm just like a little bit less enthusiastic than you are, but uh, that uh, is not to to take away from my enjoyment of it. Um, I also just want to point out that my enthusiasm in part comes from my bar being set very low. Right. Yes. I was just surprised that it was actually something I enjoyed. Yes. (laughs) I thought, oh, I'll watch this and maybe get a laugh, but it's just something to have on. And then and then I was actually like fully engaged in it i'm not saying it's like my new favorite thing or i'm gonna i've even right. i haven't watched it again or anything yeah absolutely if if it were a normal year for movies and media and our lives yeah i might never have watched palm springs yeah um but under the circumstances where i can't go to the movies mm-hmm. and uh ever anything Anything that that might have been Im- important in in popular media mm-hmm. is is being withheld from us. Yes, you know your Marvels, your Mulans, even even your French <laughs> Dispatches, which which just just put it on VOD, please. Like, I know, I know. Um, but uh, I feel like Disney's like we put out too much shit. Because they put out <sighs> Hamilton and they put out, um, but that was never going to be in theaters, was it? The the no, well, no, Hamilton wasn't going to be, but they no, no, Hamilton was going to be in theaters. Was it really? And can you imagine the fucking money they had made? They would have been able to make if they could have put it on theaters. In theaters, people would have gone to that shit. Well, yeah, and that's why they're that's that's why they're holding back so much. Um, and then they also put out that Pixar movie, Onward. Which they weren't planning to. Yeah. I think that did play in theaters. Okay. But then they very... It was at the very beginning of quarantine because they very immediately put it on to Disney+. Plus. Yeah. First it was a rental, though. First it was like... Or, or a purchase. It, really? Yeah. there. I, I'm fairly certain there was a time before it was on Disney+, Plus where it was it was one of those... Early access. Mm. This movie is still in theaters. You can pay a movie ticket price 
to watch it at home uh, deals, okay. which are still going on. Like mm-hmm. I've heard from like following film critics and listening to Blank Check uh, and, and I've heard that the best movie of the year is this movie First Cow, which is now on VOD. But specifically, it's in that early access mode where yeah, you have to yeah. pay like 20 bucks to watch it, um, yeah. which which is fine. But I'm like, uh, I can wait. Like eventually yeah. I'll be able yeah. to watch it for nothing or like maybe five bucks. Or yeah. Or for the price of the fact that you're already paying for streaming. And I'll yeah. just I'll just wait. Yeah. Uh, I do. I did want to bring up. Uh, speaking of movies, I did want to bring up something about Paul F. Tompkins again. I I assume you haven't been listening to Stay of Homekins. I have. Oh, you have. Okay, so I am a little bit behind um, because I was listening to it when I walked to the mailbox on Saturdays, which I wasn't doing for a while. But I've been listening to it and catching up, and it's amazing because Paul just loves Janie so much, and you can just hear his like adoration for her. Um. I, but did you get to the episode where they talked about she brought up the drive-in movie theater that was going to be nearby? Yeah. Like at the mall? Mm-hmm. And she was like, she was like, it's too expensive. We are not going. And he was like, how expensive is it? She was like, well, it's $30 a car. And he was like, mm-hmm. you could hear him being like, okay. Yeah. Like, that sounds fine. And she's like, and then $10 a person. Right. And his... His laugh. Yeah. I was crying. I was laughing so hard. He was like, what? He's like, so we can park our car right. and leave right. and our car can watch a yes. movie. Asking the car about how it liked the movie. Yes. <laughs> that was a funny riff. I liked that. Um, yeah. I think that that's a fun podcast to listen to because of how uh, exasperated they get with each other. Yes. Um, and and uh, But you can tell that it's uh, always in good fun. Mm-hmm. And that feels very familiar to me. That, like, th- what, frankly, one of the most fun modes that I can be in uh-huh. in my life is just like being comically baffled uh, by <laughs> by something that Dana says, and just just being able to rip into it. But there's no hurt feelings. Uh, I will say. Listening to that podcast also reminds me a lot of us because I feel like yeah, Paul yeah. is very often trying to rein in Janie and I feel like yeah. you are very often trying to rein in me. Well, this is one of the reasons why I am excited to just do blank check. Like, sorry, yeah. sorry, Griffin and David, but I love blank check so much that I just want to participate in it. I, their mm-hmm. conversations about movies are just are just so entertaining that I can't help but uh, try and do it myself. And um, there in 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 the dynamic between Griffin and David, there is like I'm I'm the David, <laughs> and and the dynamic is characterized by Griffin will often go off mm-hmm. and can't be stopped. And David is often, yes, reigning in is a good term for it. It, it, David is often sort of at the end of his rope, but also you can tell that they're great friends and they, and they, and it works because they indulge each other and they are like the only two people that they can talk to where like they will not only tolerate, but like enjoy 
yes. going so far into the weeds of like the the subjects that they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, there's uh, yeah Paul and Janie, Griffin and David, Liz and Will. Will and Liz. Yeah. <laughs> well, Will, I feel like that's a good you complimenting our relationship is a good place for us to end. I'm glad I'm glad you see it as a compliment. That's great. <laughs> um so yeah, we'll our goslings will see you in a few months. Yeah. Um have a have a nice trip. See you next fall. See you next fall and um we love you and um Hope you like Wes Anderson. Thanks for listening. Movies. Hope you like Wes Anderson because if you don't, you're really not going to like this next season. Then we're going to have even fewer listeners. We'll see you in season 6. <laughs> uh sure. <laughs> okay bye will love you love you too bye bye will is on twitter and letterboxd at youngest of one and his website is williamhoffacker.com you can find liz at exclamate on instagram at exclamate underscore on twitter or on her website elizabeth our website is smugbuds.com and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram.